We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. How's everyone this morning? Good, I can hear myself now. I like to hear myself talk a lot, you know. Well, I'm glad we're here together this morning to worship the Lord. It's an exciting Sunday as we get ready to... I see a new grandfather and grandmother and a new baby and and so we'll be praying for them today as well as, as they're there at the hospital and uh, waiting on a baby boy as we don't really know a name yet I don't think so we're excited to find that out well welcome this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship and if you've never been here this morning this is your first time visiting we'd love to have you fill out that sheet just to let us know who you are and how we can be praying for you and so if you'll just fill that out and Stick it in the offering box. It was just outside that right-hand door there. Without delay, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, we are truly blessed to, to be here today to worship and to honor and to bring You glory. While many are unable and many are unwilling, uh, Lord, we thank You for giving us the opportunity to come today and to serve You, our King and our Lord. I pray today, Lord, that You will fill the hearts of Your people, that You will tabernacle among us, Lord, that You will change our hearts and make us more like Christ in action and how we live. Help us, Lord, to live as, as Christ, to love as Christ, to forgive as Christ, to be holy as Christ, so that we might be salt and light to a world that wants nothing to do with You, Lord. Father, today we just come in awe of who You are and how You've created us as individuals in the image of Christ, in the image of Yourself. Lord, as we reflect what we were before we became believers and followers of Christ, Lord, we are thankful for what You've done in us and what You're doing through us. Lord, I pray today that You place a, a person here today that You've drawn to Yourself, that through Your Word would choose to believe the Gospel and be saved this morning. Search each one of us, Lord, today. Convict our hearts and reveal any iniquity within us. We pray this morning, especially for Rebecca, God, that You would protect her and the baby. And we also pray for those that are unable to be here today. We pray for healing. We pray for their health. We pray for their comfort and peace. As many are suffering this morning and unable to make it. God, this morning we specifically pray for the family that lost a young child Friday night that drowned. And God, we just pray that during this time of hurt and this time of pain that You would surround them with people that know and have a relationship with You, Lord. Because You've given us a peace that surpasses all understanding, God, and they need that peace now more than ever. And so I just pray that You be with that family. God, that You would reveal Yourself to them and that You would give them a peace and a comfort in their life. 
Father, this morning, empower me, fill me with the Holy Spirit that I might speak the truth of the Gospel. That I might preach Your Word accurately and in love and compassion. Lord, we thank You for what You're doing in Celia Lake and pray You just continue to work and continue to draw Your people to Yourselves. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, for those that are, have not been with us, we've been working through the book of 1 Peter now for six weeks. Uh, we're about complete with chapter 1. Uh, I don't know about you, those that have been here, I've learned a lot and I hope you have. I've been encouraged to see what Peter's response was to the Christian salvation. So we've been building this outline uh, of the book as we go through and and this is what we've looked at. And the outline, if it started with the salutation and the greetings in verses 1 and 2, and then we see there in uh, verse 3 all the way to chapter 2, verse 12, and that's what we're looking at now. We see Peter's response to the Christians' salvation. And so we see the first sermon that we looked at was Peter's prayer of thanksgiving. We saw Peter's praise of proven faith. Uh, Peter's plea for holy living. Uh, last week we looked at Peter's proclamation to fear the Lord. And this week we're going to look at Peter's principles to love fervently. And so we see that in verse 22, we see a purified heart results in love. And in 23 and 24, we see a born-again soul is a result of God. And then the last verse we'll look at today is a dependency on God's Word is vital in verse 25. Peter has been encouraging these believers of this time to remain faithful and to be obedient for the sake of Christ. He has consistently reminded them of what, what God has done for them through the work of Jesus Christ. And through these reminders, Peter is trying to communicate that we can be strong in the midst of pain and suffering and even persecution in difficult times. We can endure. And even though sometimes it seems hard, he wants us to understand that our hope is in Christ. And because our hope is in Christ, we can endure in those times. Well, today we're going to be looking at three principles that Peter lays down. And these will help support the idea of loving the brethren. What these, really these four verses that we're going to look at, that's what it's all about. It's the love that we have for the brethren. Or the love that we should have for the brethren. And so today we'll look at these principles. They will help us as believers to love truly, passionately, ex excitedly, enthusiastically, eagerly, and then what the word he uses is fervently love one another. Well, without delay, let us start this morning. If you will, turn in your text, in your Bible, to 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to start looking at verses 22 to 25 as we look at the, at the principles Peter gives to love fervently. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 to 25, it reads this. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living, enduring Word of God. 
For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass wither, and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word which we preach to you. Peter desires and commands that we love one another. That we love the brothers and sisters in Christ. He's telling those Christians that are enduring for the sake of Christ to fervently love each other from the heart. And that brings us to our first point this morning. A purified heart results in love. A purified heart or a changed soul will result in love for the brethren. Peter is calling you and I to love within the human relationships that we have in our lives today. And especially those that we have within the community of faith. Those brothers and sisters in Christ. But how can we love the brethren? How is it that you and I can love one another when we consistently hurt one another? When a brother and sister um, can go behind your back and talk about you? When someone begins to spread false information or does something you simply don't agree with? How is it that we can love one another in spite of this? Well, we're commanded to love here. And again, love is in the imperative. It's a command. It's telling us that we must love. What does this word love here mean, really? Well, it means to love, uh, to have love for someone or something uh, based on sincere appreciation or, or high regard. So we love that person out of appreciation for who they are. We have a high regard for who they are. And then it also can mean to demonstrate or to show one's love. The question Do you love the brethren with appreciation? Do you have a high regard for each one sitting in this room and in every church across America that are in the universal body of Christ? And do you show it? Agape love. 1 John 3.18 says this, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. I can tell you that I love you all day long, but here Peter is asking us to show it, to live it out, to flesh out our love for the brethren. He wants us to look past each other's shortcomings. Just like you and I really look past our own shortcomings. Isn't it funny? We can do things to ourselves and we can look right past them. And we can forgive ourselves, but forbid one of the brothers in the church or the sisters in the church offend us and we want to put up a block wall. No, we need to look past those shortcomings just like we look past them in ourselves. That's what Peter's looking for here. For the brothers and sisters in Christ to have each other's backs and to love with a sincere appreciation for each other. But how? How is it that we can love one another? And why should we even desire to love one another? Well, he gives us a clue here as how we are able to love each other. He says here in verse 22, Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. He's simply saying this. 
Because you have been obedient to the truth, you have purified souls. And because you have purified souls, you should have a love for the brethren. That's what he's saying. You want to love each other here this morning the way Peter calls each one of us to love? You see, when we love each other as Peter calls us to love, the outside world says, I want a part of that. But if there's bickering and complaining and fighting and lashing out and Christians eating other Christians, why in the world would they want to come in here? They got that out there. But when we truly love the way God calls us to love, it makes them the desire to be here. You see... Jesus was perfect. And He's our example. And so when we want to see how we should love, we should go to the example. And the example is Jesus. He's perfect. And He loved perfectly. His love was not conditional. He did it no matter what the case was. But many times in our lives, our love is conditional. You love me, I'll love you back. You scream at me, I'm going to scream back. You take my candy, I'm going to get angry. You do this and I'm going to do that. No, Jesus' love was unconditional. Though yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't a condition that we had to love Christ. It's not that we love Christ first, but it's that He loved us. You and I are falling and imperfect. And we all, listen, every one of us have to understand that. We are imperfect and fallen human beings. And so when we look at our neighbor, when we look into the eye of each one that we sit with, that we talk with, that we deal with, we have to understand that we're imperfect. And so when I love you, guess what? My love is imperfect. Not Jesus. He's our example. Jesus has a purified soul. And we have an unpurified soul. Though Christ wants us to have a purified soul. And here Peter seems to tell us that through our obedience to the truth, we can have purified souls. Now I'm not saying that if you follow the rules, the law, the commands of God... Uh, that we can have a purified soul. Is that what I'm saying? Of course not. Because we don't believe that works save us. We don't even believe they're a part of our salvation. They're a result of what God has done in us. They will not make us more like Christ. And even our greatest deeds is said in the Scriptures that our greatest deeds are filthy rags to the Lord. And so how is it that we can love as Peter calls you and I to love one another? It's by being purified. By being purified in our souls. Well, Stuart, how can a man be purified? Well, I thought you'd never ask. You see, men and women's souls are only purified when they have become obedient to the truth. Well, that sounds like a works-based salvation, Stuart. Peter speaks a lot about obedience, if you remember. And he speaks a lot about living holy lives separated from the world and living holy because God is holy. But what Peter is speaking of here when he speaks the truth is what? That's the question. 
Well, we don't believe in works-based salvation and we feel that the New Testament is very clear in teaching that it's by grace we have been saved through faith and this not of ourselves which throws works out of the bunch. But He's telling us a purified soul comes from the truth of the Gospel message. The truth of God's Word. What is the truth of God's Word? The Gospel. That's what the truth is. The truth can be translated like this. The true teachings about Jesus Christ through the Word of God. That's what Peter's trying to communicate. And really in verse 23, context, 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 supports that idea that it's speaking about the truth of Jesus Christ. But we'll touch on that in a bit. All of these verses that we'll be looking at in these four verses help support the idea that we should have love for one another. A fervent love for one another. You could say it this way, because you have been obedient to the true teachings of Jesus Christ, about Jesus Christ through the Word of God, you have purified souls. You are saved. You are regenerated. You have gotten rid of the sin in your life that once infected you because you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's through the truth. And if you recall in John 14, I think it's 14, 6, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Me. The truth that Peter is speaking about is the Gospel message. The death, the burial, and the resurrection that Jesus Christ is the only sufficient way that we can have purified, regenerated hearts. It's to believe in Jesus Christ. It's the Gospel. It is the power to save. You are a new creation in Christ when you believe in the Gospel. And that's what it takes to love as Peter calls us to be, to cause us to love and to be purified. So purified heart results in love. Let me ask you a question this morning, and I can't answer it for you, only you can answer it for yourself. Do you have a true, genuine love for one another? When you come in here on Sunday morning, there's a division right up this middle and this side sits over there and this side sits over here. Do you have a love for those on this side and those on that side? Do you even know each other? How can you love someone if you don't know each other? That's why we do potlucks and things like this. So we can become unified. We can begin to know each other and intimately love one another and support one another and get one another's back and help with those in times of need. And when you know what? When you need some money, guess what? We're here to help you because we love you. That's what we want. True, genuine love. Are you at odds with the brother sitting here today, right now, in the same building? If you've been purified, you need to make it right today with God. And I about said purified. I mean, that would have been a southern slang right there. You've been purified. If you, yeah, got one in the house. 
if, if you've been purified, listen, you need to make it right with your brother or sister. Christ. You try to look past some of their shortcomings. For the sake of loving and forgiveness. Man, Jesus loved us far beyond our understanding. And He looked past what we were, what we have become, and what we will become. And He still loved us by going to the cross. That's the love. That's our example. You know, many years ago, Alexander the Great uh, became a world conqueror. Defeated the world. And so Alexander the Great decided that he wanted to have this masterpiece, this portrait of himself built out of this fabulous oil. Well, of course, the greatest artist of that time was called in for the purpose to produce this masterpiece of Alexander the Great. And when the artist arrived to Alexander's court, Alexander approached him and said, Listen, I don't want this side profile. I want a face, a full face pose instead of this side profile. But this caused this great artist distress. Because on the one side of Alexander the Great's face was this horrendous scar that he had received in battle. And so he didn't know what to do. He couldn't paint this face with this horrendous scar that he had. And so after the artist studied Alexander and figured out what he could do and he observed his subject that he was going to paint, he came up with this wonderful plan of action that would make him happy in both the client, Alexander the Great. He first seated Alexander Great at the table. And then he, he told Alexander to place his elbow on the table and to, to cup his chin within his hand. You know, he's trying to make him look very smart. And then the final thought of Jester, the artist, reaches over and says, let's adjust these fingers. And what does he do? He covers up the scar. And when he got Alexander right in the place where he needed him to be, where he could get the best picture that he could draw or paint, he began to paint this masterpiece to cover the unsightly battle scar. He painted this masterpiece. Listen, in so many ways in our Christian walk, in our Christian love for one another, we can minimize and sometimes even cover the faults of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We can try to cover them up and look past them and think positive about them instead of thinking negative about them. We need to be like that artist. We need to cover each other's shortcomings up because you know what? You and me and everybody in here is fallen. And we all have a shortcoming. And let me tell you, sometimes I could use you to cover up my shortcomings. I don't know about you. Love. It covers a multitude of sins. And the question is, that you have to ask yourselves, do you love the body of Christ? The people. You see, church is perfect until we throw people in it. 
gets all messed up. And if it wasn't messed up when I came, it got completely messed up. Now I'm not talking, listen, about loving your best Christian friend. But everybody in the body of Christ. Even those that might have hurt you. Do you love them is the question. Let me validate this for you. We must love because the Bible says we must love. Peter commands it here in 1 Peter 1.22. Paul lives it in 2 Corinthians 2.4. The church believed it in Colossians 1.3. Philemon showed it in Philemon 1.4. And John describes it here in 1 John 4.7-12 when he says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. You know what God looks like? He looks like when we love one another. That's what it looks like. The result of a true transformation that has taken place in your life is love. The one who does not know God does not love. Don't fool yourself this morning. If you have no love for the brother, you should evaluate your life in Christ. If you have no desire, listen, that doesn't, it's kind of preaching to the choir here. If you don't have a desire to be here on Sunday morning because you love one another, what is it? Why do we come? To follow the rules? To come to a social club? It should be because we love one another and we want to spend time with one another. You know, when, when we are Christians together, when we, we have intimate relationships. Look, I can walk up this road and I can see someone and talk to them and find out if they're a Christian. And when I find out, guess what? We have something in common. And we have this automatic love for one another that, that brings joy to us to say, man, we're brothers in Christ. That is what a transformation looks like in the life of a human being when they come in contact with an almighty God. You see, the Bible is filled with commands to love. And right here in Peter's epistle, he doesn't miss a beat. We see him making this very clear. He says in 1 Peter 1.22, he says, fervently love one another from a... Pure heart. 
First Peter 2.17 says, Love the brotherhood. First Peter 3.8 says, Love as brothers. First Peter 4.8 Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. First Peter 5.14 Greet one another with a kiss of love. In every chapter in the book of First Peter, he addresses the love for the brethren. I'd say he thinks it to be pretty important. You see, we are to love the brethren with fervent love. And the Greek word here, it derives from the Greek word ekkeno. What does that mean? Okay, let me explain what it means. Okay? It means to stretch out your hand. Ekkeno means to stretch out. It pertains to an unceasing activity. It simply means without ceasing, continuously, and constantly. I know there are people here today hurting. And I've heard the stories with no names, but hey, so-and-so has done this to me behind my back. I have no idea who it is. I don't want to know. But I know it's happening right here within the body. That doesn't reflect a heart of love. We may fail, but a true love from a pure heart will love without ceasing. Will we, will we be hurt? Yes. Because we're falling. But a purified heart will not leave it in that manner. It will do all that it can do to unify that relationship. Love with action. Not simply just words. Listen, we can tell each other we love each other all day, but if we don't act on it, we're, we're simply blabbering. The first principle that we learn from Peter is that a purified heart results in love. And the second principle that we see and we get from Peter is that a born-again soul is a result of God. You want to know how to love like Peter instructs us to love? You want to have a fervent love for one another, the brethren? You want to forgive those that have hurt you? that may have made you suffer, it all starts with a purified soul. And listen, it's God alone that can do that work in you. Verse 23 and 24 read, If you have been born again, for you have been born again, not of seed which is, imperish, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living, enduring Word of God. For all flesh is like the grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls off. Peter is supporting his claim here to love fervently. Why? Because you are born again. He's speaking to Christians and he's reminding them that they have been born again because of their obedience to the truth of Jesus Christ. And because of their obedience to the truth of Jesus Christ, they have a love for the brethren. And then he reminds them, love fervently. And then he supports his claim again because he says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. 
We have been born again. Not by a seed that is perishable, but one that is imperishable. You know, this week as I was teaching my kids the Bible at home, we were talking about uh, what Daddy would be preaching on on Sunday. And so we were looking over these verses, and my kids said, Daddy, what does perishable mean? Well, you know, being the most intellectual father that I am, I began to tell them about food because there happened to be a hamburger that was half eaten. You know, you feed your kids, they only eat half. So you put the other half away. But, so I took the hamburger and I picked it up and I said, all right, let's look at this hamburger. What if I took this hamburger and I threw it out the back door? What would happen to it? You know what they said? The deer would eat it. Because, you know, we live in a zoo. And so, instead of stopping there, I just kept going and, and, and built my illustration and said, yeah, so, okay, so let's say you throw it out there, the deer eats it, what happens to the deer? Where does the hamburger go then? Well, it goes into their stomach. Okay, so once it goes into their stomach, what happens? Well, Daddy does his business. Next thing you know, it's out on the yard again. Then what happens when it rains? Well, the rain comes down, it washes it away into the grass, and the grass grows back up, and now the hamburger is growing back up in the grass. And then what happens is the deer comes, the deer eats the grass, and then we go out, we shoot the deer, we eat the deer, and next thing you know, we're having hamburgers again. And I'm not so sure that uh, it was the best illustration, but I think I got my point across. And so I was able to tell them that perishable things are things that decay. Uh, things that have a brief life. Now that, like I said, might not have been the best illustration, but you know, I wanted them to understand that food decays. And goes away at some point in this transition of however that happens. That's what perishable is. But do you know what the opposite of perishable is? It's preserved. It's preserved. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable. Don't miss that he starts that out with the negative first, and then he goes to the positive. You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. The positive. That is, through the living, enduring Word of God. Whatever seed He is talking about here is a seed that has caused you and I and those who are in Christ to be born again. And the seed that He's speaking of is an imperishable seed. It's preserved and it will not decay and it will not go away. So what seed is he talking about? Well, when I first, my mind went straight to seed, I was thinking sperma, the Greek word sperma, which we translate seed. That's not what he's talking about here. The Greek word that he uses here is spora. It's the only time that I can find the word used in the New Testament. It's only used once. But listen, don't miss this. He says, for you have been born again. Not of seed. The you is plural. So you could say, for y'all have been born again not of seed which is perishable but imperishable. The word spora has to do with parenting. What's that got to do with it? Listen. You and I are born again 
the same Father. We have the same Daddy. You have been born again of parentage which is immortal. Not mortal. Yes, your mother and your father made you, but your heavenly Father calls you to be born again. And so why should you love your brethren? Why should we love each other? Because we are family. I don't find it surprising at all that he uses Spora there. Because he's trying to put together the idea of loving your brother or your sister. Because yes, you're born of your mother and father of earthly, but a man can't enter the kingdom of God unless he's born again by the Heavenly Father. And the Heavenly Father that saved you is the same Heavenly Father that saved me. And now we have been adopted into the family of Christ. And therefore, you don't have to like me, you don't have to deal with me, but guess what? You're my brother and sister if you've been born again in Christ. And the same goes for me to you and everybody else with everybody else. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we love each other. It's God who made us alike in Christ. It's the Lord who saves us. And it was through the living and enduring Word of God that He did this. You can look to everything and anything in this world to save you, but unless you and I are born of this imperishable Father, we have nothing to keep us loving one another. We are saved by God through the living and enduring Word of God. You know, sometimes I wonder, in churches all across America, and even within our church, if we lack love for one another, it's because some of us may not be brothers and sisters of the true imperishable seed. And my hope this morning is that you begin to know this imperishable Father that we have, that we have been born again by. And that we can experience this love for one another. And we can begin to love as God calls us to love and Peter does. But how is it? It's through His Word that we come to faith in Jesus. Because the Bible says, and I have seen and I've lived and I've experienced His Word. Listen, I can go out and I can tell people and they can say Jesus Christ is a hoax. They can say Jesus Christ don't save. He enslaves. I've heard it all. But you know what they can't do? They can't mess with my experiences. They can't mess with how God talks to me through the preaching and teaching of His Word. Just this morning, I, I left my camera charger somewhere. I've lost it. I went home to get it before. And the TV was on. And the TV was it had a, as a preacher speaking on it. And guess what he was speaking on? Love for the brethren. God's got a sense of humor. And so I stopped and listened. And I took a few notes. <laughs> you can't mess with the experiences that God allows you to live through. We need to love one another. The Word of God is living 
and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as division, soul and spirit, both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and attentions of the heart. This Word which God uses to save us and seek the lost is the same Word that makes us alike in Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. And it makes us able to love each other as Peter commands us to love. You don't love your brother or sister today. You either have no relationship with the one true God and therefore you are truly not brothers and sisters or you need to learn forgiveness as you would for your own blood. Look, we can act like something we're not. We can claim to be something we're really not. We can claim something to be true that's not true. And if we are not saved by this seed that is imperishable, then maybe we've been fooled into thinking that it's a perishable seed that saves us. Man, this is nothing new. This is heavy in our culture. It doesn't take but just a little bit of on the internet and looking and see what people uh, think about their end of their life and where they go and what, what puts them there. And you know, it wasn't anything new in the Bible. They taught about it. They taught it wasn't by works. Galatians 2.20 It's not by the law you were saved. Because if it was the law that saved them, Christ died needlessly. They evidently dealt with this then. They looked to themselves and their good deeds to save them. We live in a time that Christianity is truly declining and humanism is rampant. You don't have to obey some God, they tell you. You can just live a good life and trust in your works. Trust in man. Oh, really? Verse 24 says this, All flesh is like grass. All its glory like the flower of grass, and the grass wither, and the flower fall off. You see, man starts out young, just like a new shoot of grass. And it grows into something wonderful. He's truly like grass. And, and really, this time of the year, my family and I have been... we got boxes and soil all in the house and pots and plants are growing. we got them in the window and, buddy, they're just popping up everywhere. They look great. And eventually there will be a flower that will burst out of them and they will look good and healthy and many will show them off. Many people will come here and look at these flowers that we've grown. They look so beautiful and dandy. We grow much like this. We make a name for ourselves. We show off things. We trust that we have this way of life always. But listen. As just as the grass lives and then winter comes, it approaches and begins to wither the grass. And the beautiful flower that we have cherished and all of the work we've done to make it look good falls off. When we stand there in those last days of our life here on earth, the beautifulness, the flowers, will fall. Because it's imperishable. It's perishable. 
It will decay and die away. But the Word of God will endure forever. We will become old and everything we will have accomplished becomes dead. Everything you have placed your trust in, it will have perished. The reality is, is we are like the flower in the grass if we don't love as God calls us to love. We'll grow and we'll decay and we'll have no love for the brethren. You may place your hope in things that are perishable. You see a born again soul as a result of God that was a result of the imperishable seed, not man. That is the important principle. But the last important principle is this. A dependency on God's Word is vital. You can depend on the things that are perishable, but I hope today you'll begin to evaluate what it is that saves you, that gives you a purified soul. Yes, all flesh is like the grass. All of His glory is like the flower. The grass withers and the flower fades. You know, that's just like false teaching. It promises you beautiful things. Oh, it looks so healthy. It looks so good. But eventually, it, it fades away. But the Word of the Lord endures forever. It is imperishable. And then he says, and this is the word which was preached to you. Without a new burst in Jesus Christ, you will never understand love the way God intends you to love. You will never understand it the way He wants you to understand it. And if your hope is of anything else but the enduring Word of God, then it will perish and you will be left null and void. And you will spend an eternity separated from God. And my hope for you this morning is that you will commit your life to Jesus Christ. This seeds that, are, that we are saved by is forever living and active. And throughout the world around us, they will promise you great things, but they're in just decay. God's truth in His words will always be. There have been many, many men throughout history that have tried to delude and remove the Word of God. And guess what? They're dead and gone today, but the Word of God is alive and active, and it will endure until the end, until we see Jesus face to face. Our dependency on the Word, is the word of God is of most importance. Because it will at the end of your life still be there. They can try and burn it. They can try to remove it from the schools. They can take it from the White House. But the words that have been hidden in our hearts, they can never remove. It is everlasting. You want to love like Peter calls us to love, tells us to love, then you must do it from a purified heart. So I ask you this morning, has your heart been purified? Have you put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ alone? It comes from a God that is imperishable through a Word that is everlasting and enduring.
And so what I ask you this morning is, what are you waiting on? You will not live it. He has made it possible for you today to have it through Christ's work on the cross so that you can begin to love and begin to be loved by the brother and sisters in Christ. And then we can treat each other as if you came from the same Father as we have. Please remember that it can only take place by an obedience to the truth that will bring about a purified soul. And that is in through Jesus Christ, the truth of His Word. This morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, He became your sin. And He took your place on the cross at Calvary that you might have life and have that life abundantly. And all it takes is obedience to the truth. To say, you know what, I trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. When He hung on that cross, He did it for me. And He said it was finished. There's no works. There's nothing that needs to take place other than what Jesus Christ has done. And when they removed Jesus Christ, they put Him in the ground. And three days later, He raised to conquer death. And He appeared to more than 500 people. We don't have a blind faith. We have a faith with good proof. And I've said it a number of times. If you go to jail and the judge, you have 500 witnesses come and say you did something, guess what? You're going to be locked up for good. Well, let me tell you, Jesus appeared to more than 500 people after He rose from the dead. And He conquered death. And He is our only salvation. He's our only hope. And this morning, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Don't walk out of this building without trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you can do it today. And you can begin to love one another as Peter calls us to love. And when you go through times of trial, guess what? We'll be there to love you fervently. That's what we're here for. To love one another. Because God is love. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for your provision for our families. We thank you for the love that you've given us on Calvary. And God, we ask that you use this time and this teaching of your word to impact our lives so that we might begin to live holy lives for the sake of Jesus Christ and that we can begin to love one another as we would love our own flesh and blood. God, You've blessed me with a brother and I would never intentionally hurt my brother, but that doesn't mean I haven't, God. But God, my love for my brother should be the same as my brothers and sisters in Christ because we have been born again by the same spora, the same parent, the imperishable Heavenly Father. God, I just ask that if there are people here today that are followers of Jesus Christ that have a purified heart and there is division among them, I pray, God, You, knew, you bring them to unite with one another so that they can begin to love one another as You've called us to love each other. Continually, enthusiastically, and fervently, Lord. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.